and welcome to the show. Hope you guys are having an amazing week. It's Wednesday, so you know what that means. A new episode of the podcast drops today, and I'm so excited to share today's story because it is just packed full of some really amazing lessons. So my guest today is Leanne Townsend, and Leanne is a family lawyer here in Toronto, and she is sharing her, I just turned 50, now what story. And I got to tell you, everybody, when I was interviewing Leanne and she was sharing all the things about this journey after 50, I was just so impressed and so inspired of what she was able to do and turn her life around and go from where she was to where she actually wanted to be. And I love it because so many people think that after a certain age, they're just going to phone it in or, you know, it's too late to pivot. It's too late to do something new. They're not able to start over. And today, Leanne is going to prove you, prove everyone that that is definitely not the case. And if there's something that you want to do, it does not matter uh, what age you are. You absolutely can do it and you have the time to do it too. It's not too late. So a little bit about Leanne. So she is a family law attorney in Toronto. She is counsel and chair of the family law group at Mills and Mills LLP, where her practice is focused on family law, domestic violence, and victim advocacy. She is regularly interviewed in the media and has been featured on CBC Television, CP24, CTV News, numerous radio stations, as well as an expert in media and on numerous podcasts on the topics including abusive relationships, divorcing a narcissist, co-parenting, and many other family law topics. In addition, she has spoken at a variety of events focused on women's empowerment, and she regularly writes her own blog on topics related to family law and women empowerment. She also hosts the Divorcing Well podcast and the YouTube show Dish on Divorce. Leanne has a degree in political science, education, and law. Her biggest pride and joy are her two teenage children who she lives with here in Toronto, Canada. So yeah, that is quite the bio, but let me tell you, Five years ago, uh, prior to Leanne turning 50, many of those accolades were actually not on her resume. So most of what I just read, she's done in the last five years. So without further ado, let's get to the now what? Have you ever had something happen in your life that you just were not expecting, good or bad, and said out loud or to yourself, I just got laid off, or I just got engaged. Maybe I just started a business or I just bought a house, or maybe I just got my heart broken, or I just quit my soul-sucking job. Now what? Me too, friend, me too. I've had a few actually, and each time it happened, in the moment, I felt like the world around me was collapsing and I didn't know what to do. Eventually, of course, I did figure it out, often the hard way, but I figured it out. And it wasn't until I was sharing some of these stories that I realized they were packed full of great lessons of what to do next, how to move forward, and answer that gut-wrenching and sometimes paralyzing question, now what? So join me as we share some of life's most challenging stories and their transformational lessons on the I Just Blank, Now What? The podcast. 
All right. Okay. Well, welcome, Leanne Townsend, to the show. Thank you, Jessica. I'm really excited to be here and congratulations on your podcast. That's very exciting. Thank you so much. And happy belated birthday to you. Thank you. Yes, 55. 55, which you just celebrated a few days ago. I think the timing of your birthday and you coming on this show, especially with the topic that we're going to talk about in terms of your story is very timely because your episode is I just turned 50. Now what? And so this show is going to kind of unpack the last five years of your life and, Mm -hmm. and what you've done since, you know, turning 50. So Let's rewind the clock five years ago uh, to your 50th birthday. Who was Leanne? What was going on? And what was kind of causing you to say, I'm 50, now what? Wow. So I was a completely different person five years ago. And, you know, it, looking back, it amazes me how my life has changed so positively in the last five years. So, you know, and I remember because 50 is such a big birthday. So my kids had thrown me a surprise, not a surprise. I knew about the party, but they threw me, you know, like a nice party with my friends and family. So, you know, it's very sort of distinct to me, my 50th and what was going on in my life. And I had my 40s were difficult, uh, particularly kind of my mid to late 40s were a very difficult time in my life, like probably other than when my mom died when I was in my teens that I would say like my mid 40s to 50 was the most challenging time of my life. I was going through a lot of personal difficulties following, you know, I got divorced and my dad had died and my brother had moved away. I really didn't have a lot of a support network because in my, you know, marriage, my ex, he didn't like a lot of my friends and stuff. So I kind of had been isolated from a lot of the people in my life. And I went through this period, you know, as I say, it started in about my mid 40s, where I started self medicating with alcohol and using alcohol to, you know, like just kind of get me through the day or the, the life in general into un- first, it started to unwind and it kind of grew from there. And so by the time I was in my you know 50th year at age 49 I was in this I tried to stop drinking a couple times and uh, it hadn't worked I'd relapsed I was kind I had my own law practice but because when you're self-employed I mean it that can mean a lot of things it can mean that you're working your ass off and you're you know hustling and going crazy or it can mean that you're you're hardly working, but you, you know, ha- on the fronts, you have a, a job and a career. And for me at that point, it was really follow falling into that ladder category. I had a law practice, but I really wasn't taking on clients. I wasn't really working. I was unhappy. I was drinking too much. And my children knew that I was drinking and it was affecting my life. And I remember in like, so my dad passed away in March. So I always late March, March 24th. I always, you know, remember it every year. And so around that date, just before my 50th birthday, it was the anniversary of his death. And I remember I got drunk and my kids came home and family passed out drunk on the floor. And that was kind of for me, like the lowest point, you know, of my entire life. And my ex understandably 
was not happy about that situation and was coming down on me really hard at that time about like my role with, you know, like this is not something which I agree with the children should not be exposed to that. You know, what are we going to do? Because this is like, this is really a problem. And he was, you know, actually threatening to take legal action, which had, was it like that had never, we'd never come to that before. And you know, that really terrified me. Um, And so at that time, I connected with a really good therapist who just for the first time in my life, it was like she got me and we started working together. And it made all the difference in my life. She kind of validated what I was going through and who I was. And so when I hit my 50th birthday, a few months later, I'd been working with her, you know, at that point, like, say, for two months, like since April, my birthday's in June. And you know, it was just really starting. So I didn't really have the credibility with my ex at that point, even though, you know, I was doing the work and I wasn't working and I was really, you know, a a mess, you know, per se. And so my 50th birthday hit and I, you know, I was happy to be able to say that I had stopped drinking, you know, a little bit prior to that. So I was, you know, not drinking at all at that point or ever after. And it was really like, just not a great time in my life. Like it was the beginning of my rebuilding and my, my rebirth, so to speak. So it's just a very, that was a very unhappy time in my life, but it's also when I turned everything around. Wow. So yeah, this milestone birthday has a lot of meaning, obviously for you, but for a lot of people, right? Like I think those decade milestones are like when people look at their life and being like, okay, here I am. I'm 30, I'm 40, I'm 50 what have I done? Who am I? What have I accomplished? And you, you do a little bit of a self-evaluation. So when you were evaluating your life at 50, what were you thinking and feeling about your life? I was, I mean, I was feeling very down because I'd always like for most of my life, I'd always been, you know, very much an overachiever. And, you know, on my 40th birthday, my ex and I had separated like when I was 38. So I was my marriage had failed. But at that point in time, I was working as a crown attorney. I wasn't drinking at all. Like I was barely a drinker for most of my life. So I wasn't drinking. Alcohol was not an issue in my life. I had two very young children. But, you know, for the most part, I was ticking off, you know, the boxes that I might tick off other than the successful marriage, you know, in my life. So for my 50th birthday, it's like I'd really unwound all of that. I, you know, I blown up my my career my marriage was failed I was still single I was now abusing alcohol and my children had been exposed to it and you know I've always said in my life what I want on my gravestone nothing else matters to me but that I was a good mom I don't care with my career or other relationships but at the end of the day I want to be known that I was a good mom and so a good mom doesn't like you know, her kids don't find her passed out drunk. And so I felt like, you know, even in the, and I felt like I'd mucked up my children's childhood. I'd wanted them to have this storybook, perfect childhood that now, and because I have a bit of an all or nothing personality and I'm a perfectionist, it's like, oh my God, like, you know, their childhood's not perfect. It's marred. I've mucked up my career. I'm single. You know, I'd gained weight from the alcohol. I was overweight. I mean, the only box I guess I was celebrating was that I had stopped the drinking before I hit the 50th birthday and was in the process of rebuilding. So you were kind of fresh start. Yeah. And you don't know it then. 
Yeah. You know, like you're, you're starting and you're kind of hoping, you know, if day by day as you're doing things, but I had stopped drinking a couple of times before that and it didn't work out. And, you know, so I didn't know really what was going to happen, you know, at that time, I just know that I, you know, I look back now and it was the, the starting point to change my life. But at the time I, you know, I felt very unsure and I didn't know it, how that was going to turn out. All right. So you're now 50. <laughs> You're starting to see, was it a therapist, a coach? Like, a therapist. A therapist. Yeah. And you are in a get your life together, Leanne, or I'm, I might take your kids away from you moment. What did you do? What were those first initial steps that you started taking, you know, after obviously, you know, talking to your therapist and, and getting a little bit of outside support? What, what did you do to like figure out what this decade was it going to be for you? Well, I put a lot of supports in place. So I had the therapist, but I was also, I did start working with a coach, like a life coach. I was exercising regularly. I was seeing a naturopath. I was open to trying all kinds of things. And because I wasn't working really, and fortunately at that time, financially, I had through my previous work and years built up a little bit of a security and nest egg so I could afford to be in that situation I was able to you know have a support network and do acupuncture and do you know different types of you know tapping and different hypno hypnotherapy like different modalities that I'd never tried because I was really you know desperate to make things work and so I was just open to like whatever you know my therapist thought I should do or what, you know, is what I was willing to do. So I was really just focused on myself and my self-care and my, you know, just rebuilding and self-love and and rebuilding myself. And so that was almost like at that time, my full-time job. And I was, you know, as they say, I knock on wood, I had the luxury of being able to do that. Like not everyone does. And, you know, that would have been much more challenging if I'd had to be juggling my career as it is now, you know, while I was going through all of that. So I just started doing all of those things. And I just took it one day at a time. And I started doing meditation, I started to like, I was just oh, I, journaling was something I never wanted to do. But you know, and I just did these things, I, I you know, I kind of like I acted like, I don't know, because I what I realized is I don't know the solution. Like I like to be in control. I'm a control freak, on some level, and I was out of control. And I had to accept that I didn't have the solutions, the solutions weren't within me. I needed to rely on other people and I was open to it. So I just started doing all these things. And the other thing that I did that was my own initiative, and it actually did help me with accountability was that I like, I found that even when I'd stopped drinking, if I was tired or if I wasn't feeling well, you know, my kids would wonder if I'd been drinking because, you know, that's something that happens when you've been drinking. And it used to make me so mad because I'd be like, I'm not. And like, So I ended up buying like a little breathalyzer thing that you use from your cell phone. And because I was also concerned about my ex and what he might do, I just started every day, multiple times a day, I just started doing like blowing into it and doing recordings and saving them. And I sent them all to my therapist. So she had a record of them too. And it was my idea to do this. And I just started doing it. And for me, it was good because it was also like an extra level of accountability 
And I also knew that I was kind of building a protection for myself as well, that should I be challenged, I can show that, no, look, I have not been drinking at all. And this is what I've been doing. So I feel like that, like once I started doing that, that really, it seemed to help me with sort of the concept of like not drinking at all. Like even if I went out socially with friends and stuff and declaring to the world that I don't drink anymore, like that, you know, before when I'd attempted to stop drinking, I'd said to people, you know, oh, I'm not drinking, you know, these days, or oh, I'm on a diet, or oh, I'm focusing on my health. Whereas from there, I just kind of went with the thing that no, I just don't drink at all. I've had it, I associate it with a bad time in my life. I don't identify as an alcoholic for a variety of reasons. I don't feel that and my therapist didn't feel that that was a label that you applied in that. my situation. And, and but no disrespect to, to someone who does identify with that. But I just stopped. I, I, you know, I tell, told people, I, you know, I went out. No, I, I don't drink. And I owned it. And I think that was like sort of another piece of it. And sort of gradually, I guess I started to accept, you know, my, my story, right? And, and that it doesn't, I didn't need to feel ashamed. And I owned it. But, and I start, my confidence started to, you know, come back. And that made a huge difference as well. But it was a very slow gradual process and I also had to put up boundaries with my ex because before that I'd had none like he would come in my home open my fridge help himself to food have naps on my couch show up unannounced like I started I put a rule that he was not allowed in my home unless I invited him in and and things like that and and that helped just with my recovery of my self-esteem and, and things like that because our relationship dynamic was such that it had always really undermined my self-esteem. So how long did it get did it take you to get to this point of having the self-confidence and self-esteem and being able to set up those boundaries? So this was it maybe like a year of like exploratory modalities and trying all the things? Yeah, I would say it was a, a year of of that because I remember in so like I was doing that in 2016 and then by 2017 I had decided I wanted to start doing some coaching myself because I thought that seemed like a really interesting thing to do and I had found it helpful and so in 2017 I started looking at launching my own coaching business and I was still working on all these things too but I I was kind of in enough of a, of a like a mindset that okay, like it's time to, I've, I've rebuilt some of the personal stuff. Now I need to start focusing on a career and having a purpose and things like that. So I, I launched a coaching business. And by that point too, like with my kids and everything, it really only took about six months, maybe even less of like with them, of them never doubting me again. Like I always had said to them, like, if you think I've been drinking, if you want me to do the breath test, I will do it anytime for you on demand to show you that I haven't been. And, and there were a few times where they asked me to do it just because I was tired or whatever. And, you know, in my mind, I was kind of hurt and insulted. And, but I respected that, you know, I had to earn their, their trust. trust back that way. So I did it. And because I hadn't been drinking, there was never a problem. And after about six months, it was like, you'd never think I'd even gone through this period of drinking again, because it was so in the past in everyone's mind, no one was even worrying about me at all. And I was in such a good mindset that it just wasn't coming up, you know, even as an issue. So that's when I started the rebuild and I launched this coaching business. And soon after I started realizing that, you know what, like, I really want to get back into practicing law. And I was, you know, and it seemed to tie, I was doing divorce coaching. So 
doing family law kind of tied in with that. And I had done some family law in the past, although a lot of my career was as a, a crown attorney. And so from there, I started doing coaching and law. And then from there, it ended up being law. But by 2018, things were going quite well. I built up the law practice, had you know clients, was doing well with marketing and, and things like that. To, you know, to the point that in 2019, I got headhunted to join a law firm on Bay Street as a partner. So it went from not working at all in 2016 to coaching in 2017 to doing law in 2018 to a partner at a Bay Street law firm in 2019 to 2021, where I'm now chair of the family law group at the firm that I'm with. So once it, once it started happening, it happened fast. That is phenomenal, Leanne. So first off, I just want to acknowledge you and congratulate you on A, the work you put in in those early days of, you know, being open to help, right? Because that's huge. I think so many people who find themselves in a situation similar to yours is they don't get the support that they need. They kind of muscle through it or they're like, I can do this on my own, right? Like, I'm good. I got this. And they try and do it. And so I want to just kind of acknowledge you for being like, yes, I need the help. And I'm willing to get all the help from all the people and all and all the places. So that's awesome. I think that was probably one of the really key things that you did that really put you on a kind of new path for success, right? Definitely. Uh, and, and, you know, as somebody who, you know, I generally, in most of my life, I've always felt like, okay, yeah, I know what I'm doing. I've got this. I don't need help. You know, it was hard for me to acknowledge that I did. And, I, you know, and it took a bit of time where I was refusing help, you know, to get to the point where I accepted that, you know what, like, this problem is bigger than me, I can't, I'm clearly not fixing it on my own. And I need help. And that's okay. And, you know, for me, that was huge, because, you know, I have issues with asking for help, because often help hasn't been there when I've, you know, historically, when I wanted it or needed it, but it sure was there when I was finally at that point receptive to it. Amazing. And then asking for help. That's, I think the number, one of the things that I just took away from your story for sure too, was the consistency, right? You yeah. just, you were like everyday consistent and you owned who you now were and what you wanted for your life and what you were not willing to do or show, have show up in your life. So you know, just not drinking and taking that, you know, ownership of like, I'm going to do a breathalyzer three times a day for myself, but also, you know, to help other people. I think consistency was probably the, the other big, you know, tool in your toolbox that really helped you over the last five years, get you from where you were to where you want to be now. For sure. Consistency was big. And then I think the other piece was hope. Even in my darkest moments, and, and there were times where I genuinely felt like I was in a black hole and I'm like, how the hell am I going to get out of this hole? But I always had hope. I, I like I never gave up on myself. I, I always knew deep down that I was going to to get out of I didn't know when I didn't know how long it was going to take. But I knew deep down that it would happen. And I had that hope and I never, so I never felt hopeless. And I think that was important as well. Yeah, definitely. So support, consistency, and always just that belief in yourself above anything else 
is kind of that trifecta in ingredients, I guess you would want to say. It really helps you over the last five years. Obviously, it hasn't been like an easy ride over the last five years in this transformation story. And I'm sure there's been a few like blips or a few ups and downs and some, you know, other challenging things that have happened in the last five years. How did you tackle them? And what was your mindset in tackling them, you know, in the last five years than you would have in your forties? Well, I have so many more tools in my toolbox now that I didn't have. And I'm so much more, I was always somebody who was, who was self-aware to a point, but I'm, you know, much more self-aware and I've learned, you know, things like, like the boundaries. And also, you know, one of the big understandings that I learned was, you know, how someone treats me as a reflect reflection on them. It's not me. So I, you know, I don't take stuff as personally and I don't, I know I'm only in control of my reaction to things. And so like all of that kind of stuff has helped me. So when I'm in a situation where someone is rude to me or abusive to me, rather than getting all upset and feeling like a piece of garbage and feeling ashamed and and those things that like when someone was abusive to me before I would feel ashamed whereas now I don't feel ashamed because I have no reason to so I think all of those tools through the work that I that I did they help me now when a situation comes up so it doesn't have the same you know effect on my self-esteem and my, you know, my psyche. And, you know, I, I know my strengths, I know my weaknesses, and I own my mistakes. And that's a big part of it as well. I guess, you know, the, the knocks come like people are gonna, you know, knock you down. But instead of getting knocked out, you literally just took it on the chin and we're like, okay, like, here we go, right? Exactly. Um, and, so. and I don't have shame. Like, I think, you know, it's funny, like for me, a big part of it was back in October of 2017 as well. I joined with, with one red lipstick and I spoke at their event where you share your story. And that was the first time publicly, really, and not just publicly, but in any real manner that I had shared my story. And for me, that was like something I had to do. And it was very freeing afterwards. I didn't feel as much like I needed to keep sharing the story necessarily, unless it's it's in a specific situation to help people, but it was just freeing and it allowed me to just own it, not feel ashamed. And I had such a really good response to it as well. It made me feel like, why on earth would I ever be ashamed of this? Yeah. And now I can use my story to help other people. Exactly. Exactly. So, which is clearly part of your personality, obviously being a, you know, a crown attorney and now a a family lawyer who focuses on divorce. That's a huge space of wanting, of needing to be showing up for these people at your best so that you can help them through their challenges. So tell me about that desire for you to kind of get back into law and really focus in on family law and, and what's the passion behind that right now? Well, I think because I know, you know, just again, through my own story and my own journey, I was in a relationship where I wasn't treated the way I think I should have, and it affected me very negatively. I, you know, come across a lot of clients, particularly women who are in similar situations. And so I found with when I was doing the coaching and I was, you know, coming across these women who I was helping and they needed a lawyer who understood it as well. And so then I started thinking, well, like I am a lawyer, like, why don't I just start, you know, doing law again? And, you know, that was kind of how I ended up going back into it. And, you know, I have times when I'm burned out and I have times when, you know, I feel beaten down now and I've had self-represented 
men be very abusive towards me that sometimes for me is triggering of, you know, the self-talk in the past and everything, but I'm aware of it. So that's the difference. Like in the past, when I was spoken to badly and I just would feel ashamed and be looking down. And, you know, now when someone does that, I, I have that initial feeling of it. But then I stopped myself and it's like, no, 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 no. Like I haven't done anything wrong here. I, and I don't need to have these feelings of shame. And so I guess it's just identifying with these, with a lot of these people has made me want to, you know, help them more. And it's drawn a lot of them to me as well, because I, I get it. I understand like, not just from, you know, having done stuff in my career and through training and education, I get it because I've been through it. And so when client, you know, I even right now I have one client and she gets very emotional and triggered. And like, I think a lot of lawyers would find that difficult because she gets so upset, but I get it. And I'm able to kind of calm her down because I, I can draw again on my own personal experience. We got to say, Leanne, that combination of coach and lawyer in one is probably pretty powerful. Well, and it's interesting because when I first started doing the coaching, I thought I'd be really attractive as a coach because I had the legal background, which most divorce coaches don't have. But then what I ended up finding is it's actually the opposite. What makes me attractive as a lawyer is that I have this coaching, empathetic, and come with lots of tools in my toolbox kind of persona that, that draws people to me as the lawyers. So it was kind of the opposite of how I originally envisioned it. And now I, I don't do coaching at all, but I mean, I am coaching in my role as a lawyer. Oh, I'm sure, you know, you, you have clients, anybody who has a client is coaching in some fashion or form, right? But yeah, I can definitely see how that really helped you kind of get into the why you were doing this. Why did you become a divorce lawyer? And like, you know, the women that you're serving or the clients that you're serving, how can you show up best for them? So I think that's really magical. All right. So we're now here at 55 and Leanne, lawyer is just one of your titles. So share with us all the amazing things that you actually have going on in your life right now, five years later from where you were quote unquote, like at your worst. Well, and there's just so many things and I'm so proud. I, I hope that doesn't sound no, not at all. Like arrogant because I'm very, a very humble person, but I am so proud of what I've accomplished and what makes me feel really, really good is my children have told me multiple times how proud they are of me. And so, you know, that's always, that's a nice feeling. And through my sort of rebuild, I discovered that I'm very good at marketing. I had no idea because I, as a crown attorney, I never had to to market. And I discovered that I'm good at brand building and things like that. And so, you know, I managed to build up a brand with myself, myself. And so I, you know, and I started a podcast last year at the beginning of COVID and that's doing really well. It has over 19,000 downloads. I have a YouTube show that I just started this year as well. I have a book that's going to be coming out. I'm still like in the editing process and whatnot. So I'm not totally sure when that's going to be out. So I've added those titles and you know, my, I'm going to be an empty nester this fall, which is a huge one because my son's already in university and my daughter is starting at Queens in the fall. I'm so proud of, you know, both of them. And that's going to be a a whole new aspect of my life being an empty nester. I'm not sure how I'm going to find that. And, you know, like a lot of my stuff in the last, you know, five years has, to be honest, been focused on like my not drinking, believing in myself, doing all these steps, but a lot of it has been focused on my career. And now I really want to start focusing a little more on my personal life. And, you know, I have someone I'm seeing and 
that's going well. And I want to focus on my, like my overall health, like just, I, I'm finding because my job is, it's high stress. I, it's, yeah. you know, it's a very stressful job. And at times I, I'm falling back into some of the not taking care of myself, putting myself last patterns that got me into the trouble in the first place except this time I'm mindful of it so I you know I'm starting to I'd given up meditating and I'm starting to do that again and I'm starting to you know be more careful about my diet and how different foods affect me and you know things like that so my goal for the next you know five years is to get really healthy and you know we're focused on having you know relationship you know a good relationship with a man what you know whether it's the man that I'm seeing right now or somebody else but things are you know good with him and you know all of that but still have my career as well but just have a little more balance in my life yeah no for sure I think you can't tackle all the things all at the same time especially when you were in a position of where you were like you were just at a very low point so it's not like you're like I want to fix all all the pies all the areas of my relationships and career like you can't tackle all of them so you focus kind of focused in on the priority ones. And now that you've clearly kind of championed that and you're owning, you know, you're winning and owning those spaces kind of being like, all right, let's, let's focus on these areas now next. So I think that's a great strategy. So Leanne, what would you say for anyone who's listening, who is either also just turned 50 or in a similar state of life of like, how did I get here? Like, like this is not the life that I thought I'd have or the life that I actually want. What would you impart as, you know, a few words of guidance? Cause I don't necessarily always want to say, Oh, we're going to give you advice and tell you what to do. But like, what would you just guide people to do now so that they can start their own transformation story? I mean, the first thing I would say to anybody is it's never too late. I mean, for me, the last five years have been some of the very best years of my life. And I'm far more who I, I feel like I'm more who I was meant to be. Because even when I was having success, you know, in my like 30s and 40s, I was always still people pleasing. And I was allowing people to mistreat me. And I, I, you know, things that I don't tolerate now, like my confidence is much higher and, you know, things like that. So I mean, the first thing is I just say it's never too late. Like just, you know, I hear a lot of people, women in particular, you know, I'm turning 50, you know, like it's, I'm winding down, like, you know, my, you know, like I, and I, one of the things that it irks me as a divorce lawyer, cause I'll hear women saying, I, you know, I can't work now. I haven't worked. And it's like, no, like it's not, it's not too late. Like you can start, start a business. You can start, you know, get your career going again. Like it's, if you have the will and you're willing to do the work, you can make anything happen, but you have to, so that's number one, you is, it's never too late. Number two is you have to be willing to work. Like I work like really hard and I work at least as hard as I did in my twenties before I had kids, if not harder, you know, and a lot of people at my age, to be honest, like they don't want to work this hard and I, that's fine. Like, cause I'm okay with, I know what I'm wanting to do. And mm-hmm. so I think if you want your dreams to happen and you want to achieve your goals, you have to be willing to put in the work. There's no shortcuts. And you know, the other piece of it is just like own your story nobody if you get to be 50 years old and you have made no mistakes and you don't have any baggage then I don't you must have been living under a rock because it's just not possible 
So, you know, own your baggage, own your scars, own your mistakes, learn from them, but they don't define you. And that's what I don't like about the whole thing with alcoholic and whatnot, to be honest, is I don't like labels and I don't like things that define people. Like for me that, you know, my drinking problem was a six year period in my life out of my 55 and you know it doesn't define me and so you know even so people but if you went through a bad period and you made mistakes and you were you know having whatever problems you might have had it doesn't have to define you so you need to not let that completely affect your identity and your self-confidence and your your future future. yeah 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 those are really good i think shame is the luggage that people hold on to the hardest. Yeah, shame is the worst emotion out there. Like, I really believe that it's worse than sadness. It's worse than anger. It's just, and it has no helpful purpose as far as I can see. It really doesn't. But so many people suffer from it, you know? And I know, because I I had so much shame for a long period of time. And, you know, it's, but you have to also, I think, you know, be willing for me, like I wouldn't be where I am now if I hadn't connected with the right people back when I was 50. I I know I would not. The therapist that helped me, like she was life-changing. She was the right person for me. And so, you know, I can't stress enough to people. It's really important to find the right people to, to help you. That would probably be another, you know, good guidance tip is like, don't go it alone. Yeah, don't go it alone. And if you're work, if you reach out to someone and you just don't feel like the connection is there, then find someone else. Like there's lots of great people out there. None of us are for everybody. Mm-hmm. So, you know, don't go with your gut if it seems like it's not, you know, the right thing. Cause I'd had other therapists. So, you know, before yeah. I discovered this one and this was, she was just, as I say, life-changing for me, but other ones that I'd worked with before, it just, they weren't helpful. Not because they didn't want to be, they had the best of intention, but it just wasn't the right person. Well, that's probably just like lawyers too, right? There's so many yeah. lawyers out there and, and officially and technically they can all probably help you achieve what you want to achieve, but that relationship and how you feel with them through the process is going to really make the difference of how enjoyable, <laughs> enjoyable it's going to be in the success rate. Right. Exactly. Um, ah, so, so cool. Okay. So you have your podcast. What's your podcast called? Divorcing Well. Divorcing Well. Okay. And that's really focused on helping people go through that process of divorce and, and ending in a positive way. Exactly. Like the well, you know, kind of refers to wellness in a sense could be financial wellness, spiritual wellness, you know, physical wellness, mental wellness. That's why I I kind of, I chose the title was because it incorporates all of these areas because all of those are affected in a divorce and you need to take care of all of those areas. Amazing. And then what's your show called? The Dish on Divorce. Okay. So what's the focus and, and the theme for Dish on Divorce? Um, it's a little bit of a lighter show, although some, you know, cause divorce is a heavy topic. So the idea behind it was to have some of the heaviness, but also to have some, you know, sometimes we talk about celebrity divorces and things like that. So to have a little bit of lighter, lighter topics as well. Okay. And that's, and, and these are clearly some big passion projects for you, but I think it's great that like, you're now 55, you probably have more energy now than you had a decade ago, Right. And you can feel like you can take on even more than, than before. So from an age perspective of, you know, 55, what would you say you love about your life now or that you didn't necessarily have or love before? 
I feel now I'm living life on my terms. I'm not doing things for other people. I'm doing things for myself. I'm pleasing myself. I'm not worrying about, you know, one of the most freeing things that seems to happen in your fifties and other people in their fifties have told me the same thing is like, you just stop caring about what people think. And it's, it's so freeing, you know, as, as you know, I'm active on social media and I look at so many people who are so worried about what they're posting on social media and they agonize over every post or how they look and, you know, putting 85 filters on themselves because they're afraid. And like, I just don't care. Like, I, I don't want to offend anyone. Like that's, you know, I, I care about that. Like I would never intentionally want to hurt or offend somebody with anything I post, but I don't, if people think I look bad, then I don't care. If people don't, you know, if they think my post is stupid or if they think I'm posting too much, oh God, here she is again. Like, I just, I don't care. It's very liberating. So is that the, I guess, lesson that you wish the younger version of Leanne knew before? Yes, because at the end of the day, people, there's always gonna be people who don't like you. People are always going to talk about you and don't worry about what people think. I spent way too many years of my life worrying way too much about that. And the only person that matters is what you think. Very true. Very true. Awesome. Oh my gosh, Leanne, we just like packed so much in this episode and there was so many lessons for everybody. So I want to thank you for being so open and sharing your story. Is there anything else that you want to kind of impart on our listeners? You know, last bit of advice or wisdom from Leanne that, you know, you want to share with everybody today? I mean, I guess I just reiterate, just believe in yourself and it's never too late, you know, to lead the life that you want it to lead, you know, from the beginning. So just believe, work hard and make your dreams happen. Love it. Love it. Well, I want to wish you a belated happy birthday and thank thank you you so much. And I'm very excited to see what transpires on social media with this new bow of yours. So um, (laughs) I'm I'm wishing you lots of relationship success in the the next five years that you focus in on that part of your life and obviously your physical health. I'd love to have you back on the show at some time because I know you have a ton of stories, you know, with lots of lessons and a lot of different categories. So we will definitely have you come back and, and share a little bit more, but I'm so grateful that you shared this story of, I just turned 50. Now what? Because I know so many other people are out there probably feeling the same thing. It might not be to the degree that your life was, but they're having their own version of it. So thank you so much for sharing today. Thank you for having me on. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it more than I can say. Did you love this episode of I Just Blank Now What? If you did, be sure to subscribe on your fave podcast platform. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. I do love reading them. And if you know somebody who's experiencing this story or something similar, please share this episode with them. It just might help them figure out the answers to their own now what questions. Have you recently had a now what moment and aren't sure what to do? Reach out to me at jessicastevens.ca and submit your story and I'll help you figure out what to do, how to move forward and help you answer now what. See you on the next episode.